All right. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is, what, Wednesday, April 26th? Sorry, it's 7 o'clock here in the morning in Alaska. I don't know, man. This is a drug I can't quit. This is that narcotic I just can't get off of. And y'all are enablers. You know that, right? By listening and sharing all the time. (laughs) It's a good habit to have, though, I guess. All right. I hate how much I'm already starting to pivot on my Aaron Rodgers take. It didn't take long, man. Also, you can reach out to the show. Did not realize you could leave a message. I want to thank Bobby Otten, Scott Coberly, and Chili Dean for leaving messages on, on previous episodes. I just realized that I could do that. So I wasn't trying to be neglectful. Just didn't know I could do it. So you can leave a message for the show as well. I'm not sure how they did it. If it was actually through Anchor itself or Spotify, how they did it. But thank you guys so much for reaching out to the show. You can also leave some, some talking points if you'd like to. Now that I know that I can do it. Peace, guys. Picks. We are now 8-7. and seven. We were 2-1 and one yesterday. That damn Hawks-Celtics game, man. But we got a winning record now. We are above 500. And before we actually get into the episode, I mentioned Chili Dean. If you're into hot sauces and reviews and, and things like that, go look up Chili Dean on YouTube. He does hot sauce reviews. The dude just takes spoonfuls of like the hottest out there and kind of picks apart the flavors and the notes and the Scoville levels and things like that. It's pretty interesting. And uh, I did a hot wing challenge about a year and a half ago and we live streamed it and he was there and he saw what I was doing and was impressed that I had eight out of 15 of the hottest damn things that I've ever had. So this dude's pretty ridiculous in what he does. And if you're into that stuff, like hot ones and things like that, it's not the same thing. But if you're into hot sauce and competitive eating type of things, it's right up your alley. Go look up Chili Dean. But yeah, I'm already starting to pivot a little bit on my Aaron Rodgers take. I'm not completely backing off. I'm not saying that what I said the other day and over the past few weeks or so isn't really true. It's not what I feel. It's just, I don't know. I just have a different approach a little bit today than what I had yesterday. So one of the things that I mentioned was, I won't believe this is done until I see him in green and white. And I woke up this morning, scrolled through the socials, saw him in green and white, saw how happy he was walking into that building. And I thought, ah, oh, this might actually work. And work is like a, it's a, it's an objective term. Like, will it work? Will it make them better? It obviously does. If you were around 500 last year with guys like Mike White, Joe Flacco, and Zach Wilson, it would only lead you to believe that you could only go up from there. Now, I still don't think it really puts them over the top because the way that I look at sports is when I see the trend, this is who you are. So for me, the Kansas City Chiefs are still the favorite in the AFC regardless. Like it doesn't, it's not even, it's not the Jets, Bills, Bengals, doesn't matter. It's them until it's not them any longer. And that isn't something that I thought, you know, the first time I saw Patrick Mahomes play in the NFL, it was something that once I saw him get to essentially his third straight AFC championship game, I go, okay, like these are the guys. This is, this is the squad that we have to pay attention to in the NFL going forward. And when you've done it two, three years in a row, I'm like, okay, this is who you are. This is, this is, this is reality now for all NFL fans. And we're just going to have to deal with it. But after I got over my initial, like just complete anger of why this thing got dragged out for as long as it did. Because again, when you, when you look at the compensation for Aaron Rodgers, it didn't seem like he was all that difficult to kind of navigate through. Now we saw Russell Wilson get traded 
and just the Seahawks fleeced Denver, but they were starving for a quarterback. Last year was obviously a down year. I think that Denver will be better. The The thing is that you obviously, the point of sports is to win. It's to win a championship regardless of like how you get there. And we, again, I, I mentioned this yesterday. We are spoiled as fans where nothing is ever good enough, but also if you're trying to win, you're trying to win. And I have to give the Jets some type of credit for that. And, you know, I think I kind of fell victim to kind of falling in the trap that most people do of like the believing of whatever we hear. It's always been, well, well, this is what we've heard. At least this has been reported to us as fans is Aaron Rodgers doesn't like young wide receivers. He doesn't like young talent. He wants to bring in proven guys. And I'm like, okay, well, if that's the truth, then why would you want to go to the Jets? Because that's one of the youngest rosters out there, especially on your side of the ball. But I saw him walk into the building today and it reminded me of something else that I, sometimes you got to take inventory of the things that you say and hold yourself accountable. And that's what I want to do. I'm not going to hide behind takes or I'm not trying to be Skip Bayless and change my mind every 32 seconds and things like that. But as I saw him walk into the building today, I did see a smile that I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting him to even really even be there. I, I just figured that he was going to do his own thing and we were just not going to hear from him until like mandatory stuff happens. He's there. He's happy. He's dapping everybody up. And I just thought, you know what? I've been talking about being appreciated in your workplace. And it's super easy to, to pick on Aaron Rodgers because he can be prickly. He can be very arrogant, it seems like. But I know for me, when I look at him in his entirety, I've always liked Aaron Rodgers. I've always thought that he was a really one of the, one of the greatest regular season quarterbacks I've ever seen. And again, the, the, the move to the Jets to me to make a whole lot of sense because you're just going from one cold place to another and you're not playing in a dome, which has largely been what the downfall, I believe, is in his career as far as Super Bowls are concerned is it's cold weather city and your team has always been predicated around you being talented at throwing the football. And when it gets to negative 10, me living in Alaska, I know what that feels like. But there does come a point where I thought, you know, maybe he just really didn't feel appreciated in Gray Bay. And I don't know. Like, this seems like I'm just kind of caping up for him now. But it's 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 hard to tell. I'm not in that locker room. I'm not in that organization. I don't know what he actually thinks and feels and what he goes to on a daily basis. And there are certain areas where you can make the argument that that organization has failed him. And there you can also say that he's like he's elevated them. And it's not until the last like two or three years that we've really started to kind of pick apart Aaron Rodgers and his career and what we really think of him as a person. Because beforehand, it was just like Aaron Rodgers is great and we know this. But the older that we get or the older that they get as far as athletes are concerned, we say, well, we know you're great, but how do you only have one Super Bowl? And then that is like that becomes a line of demarcation of how we measure greatness. And, and me, like, I, again, I, because Charles Barkley is my favorite player of all time when it comes to basketball, and he never won anything. I'm a Bills fan. So maybe it's just because I've lived these types of things my entire life where I just have a certain, I have a different opinion on what makes people great. I can see an individual player and know that they're great and not have to have the rings argument to just quantify how great you are when I can see, no, you're really good at what you do. And that's what Rodgers is. Like, he is still good at what he does. It's mostly regular season, but it's also where you play. But you want, we again, we as fans can't win. We're, we're never satisfied. Yeah, let's win. Would you rather win 12 games every single year and be relevant and be good? Or would you rather have a 10-year stretch of just being absolute dog shit and then 
winning one Super Bowl. Like, what what do you want? Like, there's no you you're not going to win every single year, but most fans are so emotional that they can't separate the two, and just comes down to if we don't win, what's the point? And athletes and coaches. Like that's, that's what breeds that into us as fans is if you don't win, what's the point? And I kind of did that with this move and like looking back and reflecting over the past two days, like that isn't who I am. That's not what I look at things. So I have to kind of, I'm, I'm not completely walking it back because I don't think this makes them a Super Bowl favorite. I, I don't by any stretch of the imagination, but you do have to take a swing at it, don't you? This is the way that I look at it. I do think that it's stupid as far as long-term, but they're not trying to win long-term. They're trying to win right now. And I guess when I really pick this thing apart, it really does come down to, I don't like being the out, like the outcome guy. If the outcome is X, then it's good. No, because I see that with, with play-by-play in football. I can see just because a play didn't end in an interception doesn't mean that the play wasn't like it wasn't good. Like I see Josh Allen all the time. And just because he can throw it 5 billion miles an hour and it's not intercepted doesn't mean that it's a good throw or at least not bad because Josh Allen, I think he leads the league in interceptable passes, passes that should be intercepted, but just were dropped. That doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. Like I, you you can you you can just because the outcome isn't bad doesn't mean the the play in its entirety wasn't and that's kind of like where my thought process rolls to on that there's a culmination of like trying to win now versus trying to win in the future and again if i'm going to use my own words in in a way against me and this is why i'm kind of conflicted with this move is i've made the argument look if your career is supposed to be 3 or 4 years anyways What's the point? Like, get the guy that you know can play football. We know Aaron Rodgers can play football. We know that. Now he's older and doesn't have a whole, like, his shelf life doesn't have a whole lot of existence still on it as far as football is concerned. But if if, if you're going to take a swing on somebody, wouldn't you rather take a swing on a Hall of Famer as opposed to somebody you don't know can play at the NFL level, because that's what the Jets have been doing forever. They've been taking swings at quarterbacks and whiffing every single time. They're basically the New England Patriots of wide receivers, but just with quarterbacks. They just, for whatever reason, cannot get it right. If the shelf life of an of a, of a NFL player is supposed to be three or four years, and you're the really the only thing you're really giving up is next year's pick. Because I, I don't, besides some kind of just weird out of nowhere injury to Aaron Rodgers. I don't see him not getting 65% of the snaps. So you're you're essentially giving up a first rounder next year, but that's really pretty much it. The fourth, fifth, sixth rounders, that doesn't matter. Swapping the 13 and 15 pick doesn't matter. The fact that you only really gave up a first rounder next year for Aaron Rodgers, that's actually a pretty sweet gig, especially if you do win a Super Bowl this year. I don't think it happens. And that's that's kind of the whole back and forth. It's like I don't when we always have the argument of building for the future. And again, the, the Jets, I don't believe it. I think the Jets were a one year one year deal. The Bengals are still really good. The Chiefs are still the the absolute top of that conference. The Bills are still really good. There's other teams that are good. I don't think that this is enough. For the Jets to win a Super Bowl. But again, you got at least 
give it a shot. So I'm going to give them credit. I'm going to, I'm not walking back my take of the Jets are winning the Super Bowl. Like, Cause that's not, to me, it's still not happening. If it does, they're going to make us all look foolish, but I mean, it's, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers dog and he looks happy. And I don't like that as a Bills fan. So yesterday I was watching, I, I didn't get to actually watch the Hawks and Celtics game, but I was watching Jalen Brown guard Trey Young. And I had posted something on the actual, the chopping up with P. Scott page on the Facebook page. I had posted, tell me you want out of Boston without telling me that you want out of Boston. And I think Jalen Brown really wants out of Boston. We've seen there's there's been some kind of disconnect between him and the organization that he's he's like, look, if I'm wanted, I'm wanted. If I'm not, I'm not. I'm if they if they want me, that's cool. And like it this comes back to workplace environment and how you feel appreciated. And he's the guy who's always in trade talks. Right? Like it's not Jason Tatum. And like and these other guys are ancillary pieces. Whoever's still there, the Robert Williams, the Al Horfers, Al Horford, I can't believe that, that dude's even still playing. But you, you get to these points of do you, it almost comes down to Will Smith of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And he goes, how come he don't want me, man? How come the Celtics don't want me? Why am I the one you're always trying to ship off? You clearly think I'm good enough to get somebody better than me. But how come he don't want me? So when he's come out publicly and said, look, if they want me, that's great. If not, I'll just, I'll, I'll still hoop someplace else. And the defending of Trey young yesterday, when Trey hit the dagger. Now here's the thing. Now Trey still has to make that shot, but I've seen playoff level basketball for over 30 years. If you really, really wanted to clamp that guy up, you would have. Not saying that he sold it, not saying he sold that game or, you know, I, I lost that I lost that wager yesterday and I wasn't, that shot didn't do that. That wasn't my bad beat. It was already over the 230 and a half, but so I'm not salty about that, but I'm just looking at that play in its entirety. And I'm thinking if you really wanted to lock that dude up, you would have locked that dude up. Maybe it's a long-term play to just get out. Because the, the the Celtics are still better than the Hawks. I think that that's pretty clear. I know the series is 3-2, but the Celtics are just exponentially better as a roster and team overall than Atlanta is. So they're still going to win this series, I would imagine. I have a very tough time believing otherwise. But I think that maybe, just maybe, Jalen Brown was in the back of his head thinking... If we lose this game, we lose this game. We still got we still got game six. It's cool. I I do believe in my heart of hearts that he was indirectly, directly showing them that you need me to play my best all the time for this team to be good. Now I might be reading too much into it. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy guy, but just go watch that very last play between Jalen Brown and Trey Young and watch his defense. That is not Jalen Brown defense. Just saying. All right, so we'll get to P. Scott's picks in just a moment, but I was kind of thinking about something the other day. 
And like, because football runs this country, like I just, I try to stick to that, but I do enjoy watching basketball more than I do football in its entirety because I don't have a, a basketball team that I root for. So it's easier for me to sit down, watch a game and just be entertained as opposed to legitimately caring about the Buffalo bills and you know, what they're legitimately doing, not just on the field, but off of it. But I'm watching these these two series between Sacramento and Golden State and Memphis and L.A. And I, I, the, the actual outcome itself doesn't really matter to me as far as these two series. It's what happens next series. If we were to fast forward, right? So L.A. is up 3-1 against Memphis and the Sacramento and Golden State series is tied at two apiece. What if we get Golden State and L.A.? In the second round, how are we going to look at both LeBron James and Steph Curry with the outcome of that series? Because we can dumb it down to the very, the very small factor of, well, if neither get to an NBA championship again or doesn't win one, then it doesn't really matter. But it's still going to because this is as fans. This is what we do. We like to pick apart Steph Curry and say he's not great because he had Kevin Durant for two rings or LeBron isn't great because he has six losses in the finals, even though he's went to 10. Like it doesn't matter what we do. We're going to pick apart the greatness and whatever doesn't happen. We are going to do word association with that player of not that great. That's what we're going to do. We're going to dumb it down to LeBron's not great. Steph Curry, not great. Got carried. Yeah, he's fun in the regular season, but he's not great. Which I don't believe, and I don't do fi- I don't do top fives, I don't do top tens, or any of that other stupid. Because I think it's arbitrary. It's just something for us to argue about. I know that both dudes are great. Steph and LeBron, like they're they're great. Like I don't put Steph in the pantheon of greatest of all time, or even in that argument. There's really about four or five dudes who, depending on your point of view, and depending on what era that you grew up in, and depending on what you watched, you have your hierarchy of about three or four, but there's really about five people-ish that are considered the greatest of all time, just depending on what your cup of tea is. But I am interested to see is if we get Lakers and Warriors next series, what is the narrative going to be? Like, What do you think it's going to be internally as you're listening to this? Where's your mind going? Are you going to be team Steph and defend? LeBron defend if either like whoever loses if we get there but I mentioned this the other day is in sports we never allow the great like the truly great to retire and leave with some kind of grace we just don't we like to elevate the marginal to mid-level players and say how much better they were because we recognize their names but the really great those are the guys that we want to like really pick apart and make them seem like they're dog when they aren't. It's just we see more of us in the little man. We see more of us in the middle man than we do of the truly great. So the legacies of both of these guys to me are already entrenched. Like we're going to look at Steph as one of the greatest players and the greatest shooter we've ever seen. We're going to look at LeBron as one of the greatest players, not just for longevity, but overall, like overall game and what he brought to the game of basketball. To me, nothing can be tarnished. 
from either of these guys. If they meet next series and whoever loses, I'm not going to look at either one of these guys differently. I know that Skip Bayless will. I know that Stephen A. Smith will. But will you? All right, so we are about to head out of here for the day. We'll do P. Scott's picks real quick. I actually just brought up these basketball things in front of me right now. So this is a pretty spontaneous thing because, again, it's really early in the morning. I got to start working just a little bit. So this is just me flying by the seat of my pants with P. Scott's picks. So we got four games slated for the day. And let's go ahead and see what we got. All right, Knicks and Cavaliers. The Knicks are five and a half point underdogs at Cleveland. Oof. The Knicks lead that series 3-1. I understand why they would have that line at five and a half because Cleveland is probably going to come out one act like gangbusters. Cleveland, I think, probably wins. Ooh, your boy should have, I should have turned off my alarm. So, <laughs> uh, you know what? We'll do it live. Um, so the Knicks and the Knicks Cavaliers, I would say... I would still take the Cavaliers to win this game, but mm, plus five and a half. I'll take the Knicks plus five and a half. Or that under over is at 202 and a half. So I'm not going to, I'm going to put that one as my exclusive actual pick. Knicks plus five and a half. But I think the better pick is the under over 202 and a half. Take the over 202 and a half. That's what I would do. But I'm going to stay with my actual pick of the Knicks plus five and a half. Lakers and Grizzlies. Lakers are a four and a half point underdog. Under overs two, two, two and a half. Yikes. I would probably still take the Lakers plus four. That might be a game where Memphis wins, but not by much. I I have a really hard time believing that if Jaw's going to keep just trying to yeet himself into the key all the time and not actually play basketball and just trying to attack like he's the most aggressive person on the planet it's just not it's not gonna work so the grizzlies might win but i would take the Lakers plus four heat and bucks there's no man it's a huge line that's a huge point spread the uh the heat are plus 12 i would take that i know that Giannis is playing and that's part of the reason why the bucks are so heavily favorite they like Giannis does he has this complex about him he wants to just individually take over games especially when his team is down then being down 3-1 you are if you if you do draft kings and things like that you're probably going to want to hammer Giannis as far as those individual players are concerned but Miami plus 12 that's it's just too much for me to to give up on Warriors and Kings in Sacramento, the Warriors are one and a half point favorites. Ooh, I'm not touching that one. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like that one at all. Under over, let's go there. Under over is 234 and a half. Sheesh, I don't really like that one either. I'll go under. I'll go under 234 and a half. It's always kind of weird when you have those two high scoring teams because by by definition, that's who they are. They're high scoring teams. But again, every once in a while in these playoff games, you get some weird stuff that happens. So I would take the Kings minus two, or I'm, I'm sorry, under 234 and a half. So if we do plus five and a half, I'm going to do this live. Sorry, this is really bad for radio. But uh, if we do that, we'll take the Lakers plus four, the Heat plus 12, the under 234 and a half. So 
as I'm placing my wager right now. That is a plus $12.28. So if you wager $100, that will win you $1,228 if you do it to a T and if we hit on all of them. Now, again, we're eight and seven. We are over 500. I tell you, don't bet exactly the same way that I do because I do $1 bets all the time. If you wager big money, use discretion. Anyway, we're going to get out of here. As always, stay up, stay blessed. You can reach us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wives. Make sure to hit that five-star review button wherever you listen to your podcast. Tell your friends so we can keep this thing going. Uh, We will catch you guys in the next one. That'll most likely be next, either Sunday or Monday. But again, you guys stay up, stay blessed. Thank you so much for chopping up a piece. God, I'm Prescott Kelly, and we'll catch you guys on the next one.